Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, and welcome to Come for Supper. I'm Alexandra Dudley, food writer, cook, and serial dinner party host. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who share that love for food chat about life and learn a little bit more about how they like to serve supper. I speak to chefs, restaurateurs, artists, actors, authors, and pretty much anyone who likes to entertain. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you click subscribe. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it, share it, and tell your friends as it makes all the difference. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and thank you all for coming to tonight's Come for Supper Live. It is a podcast for those of you that don't know. So if you haven't listened to it yet, you can catch up with all the previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and all those podcast places. I'm Alexandra Dudley, for those of you that don't know me, and I love a dinner party. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who I find inspiring and interesting and chat about their life and how they like to serve supper. So tonight we have a very special guest, head chef and proprietor of London's glorious Quo Vadis, just across the road. He was described by the critic Jay Rayner as one of those rare phenomena in the London food world, a chap everyone agrees is a good thing. Partly, that is, because he is sharp, funny, engaged, and the kind of bloke you always want in the room. But mostly it's because he has such damn good taste. He has lent recipes and whimsically written pieces to the likes of The Guardian, BBC Good Food and The Evening Standard, was a finalist on BBC's Great British Menu and presented the Channel 4 show Could You Eat an Elephant alongside Fergus Henderson. He is the wonderful Jeremy Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. So welcome again. Oh, thank you, you for having me and thank you all for coming. <laughs> Have you just skipped across the road then on this um, oh, evening? Oh, floated. Floated, floated you know, across through the, the road. Through, through, through the remains of Hurricane Kiara. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, it's pretty brutal, this hurricane. We've well, got a lot going on at the moment. Sub- I know, well, she graciously subsided a little bit today, but I cycled through it this morning. It was quite slow going. Oh, I was going to say, you stayed on your bike then. <laughs> Somehow. God there have been how. all these things about trampolines ending up in people's gardens and kind of there was a in the lot middle of the road. Of, there was a lot of low-flying objects, that's <laughs> for sure. And it was Watch quite, out. It was quite a good little um, <laughs> challenge. So let's go back. I know that home was Dundee, Scotland, and your mother was a very good cook. I think she taught domestic science. She was, right? indeed. She was a remarkable woman and much missed. Um, being of an orphan persuasion these days, um, which is a grim state of affairs, because I miss them terribly. I bet. But she was a very wonderful woman and a brilliant cook. And we, I didn't even realise how good she was until I was... I think, ironically, I started cooking in restaurants, and restaurant cooking and home cooking are wildly different. Um, and particularly back then, when yeah. it really was the prawn cocktail years. And... Uh, it was but chocolate eclairs and sack of torts and like, cream gatto and tinned mandarins and half a grapefruit with brown sugar on top. You're like, 
Okay, well, this is some <laughs> interesting, isn't it? You know, but in terms of skills you learned as a cook, it was invaluable, the, the apprenticeship I learned. Um, and then over time, I was able to start as I grew older and um, climbed the greasy pole and came to the kitchens and um, finally became a head chef. All that, um, I was able to bring the two together, which is quite remarkable and unusual. I have to say, it's not normal. The when was it cook. that you knew that you wanted to be a chef? Oh, well, I never knew I wanted to be a chef. You never knew? Well, I think that's a remarkable thing about my generation. There were no plans. Um, a lot of us fell into it by accident because to give you a vague idea of the respect chefs were held in back then, yeah. I had initially took a job as a waiter um, to earn some money en route, to pay my way en route <laughs> to becoming a illustrator and go to art college, following in my grandfather's footsteps, my father's footsteps, my brother's footsteps. And while at college, I took a job as a part-time waiter in a very beautiful, tiny little old mansion house hotel that had opened down the road from where we lived. And such a bad waiter was I, indeed. And going back to the kitchen one night, I'm absolutely covered in red cabbage. <laughs> just, absolutely just this Lady Macbeth-like massacre going on <laughs> and this pristine white thing, and they went, Oh, Jeremy. And I went, I know. And so amazingly, instead of sacking me um, for being useless, um, they put me in the kitchen. And that was that. And so I swapped a blood-stained, red cabbage, drenched white jacket for the tall white hat, the big neckerchief and all the, the floor-length white apron, and started an apprenticeship. And against, you know, well, not against anything, just out of the blue, really, without any plan. And something happened. Um, it struck and... Simultaneously, it was a time that Rick Stein was starting out in Cornwall and Simon Hopkinson was starting out in um, Cumbria, not Cumbria, in Wales. Um, you know, and Franco Tosco was cooking at the Walnut Tree. These extraordinary people yeah, were all changing. doing things and all scattered all around the country. Um, and there was that thing of, you know, a weird middle class boy. Um, going into a kitchen was an unusual thing. I mean, normally it was regarded as a dead-end job, but folk, there was an interest in food and folk were engaging then. And there was beginning, that was the very early days of when this thing of regional cooking yeah, and seasonal cooking time. and home cooking was beginning to make its presence felt in the restaurant business, um, which had never happened before. Um, and George Perry Smith had done a lot of that. He was the great, the original um, acolyte of Elizabeth David cooking at the Hole in the Wall in Bath. But very few others, you know, so it was a remarkable time. And you excelled, sure. <laughs> well, you're very kind, thank you very much. I mean, well, how long have you while. been head chef at Quo Vadis? Eight years, is it eight, eight years? Eight, this is my eighth year, yeah. And then yes. 18 years, you were at the Blueprint Cafe, Indeed. 18. 18, as a, a dear long friend. time. Well, as a dear friend said, what on earth did you do? Life would yeah. get less <laughs> these days, dear. And I was like, God, oh, what on earth am I going to do? Um, but, but along with many things I inherited from my mother, I inherited infinite patience, okay. you know. <laughs> and hoping that the hare and the tortoise all comes to those who wait, etc. No, that's et true. I agree et cetera, with that. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there is certainly something, and you see it now, there's a ferocious appetite to get ahead mm. very, very quickly. Um, and folk climb the dizzy heights very quickly these days. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, the, the light that shines twice as bright lasts half as long. Or, you know, you can vanish very quickly. I mean, it's a very strange business now. Yeah, I but mean, the celeb chef, I think, the, and the kind ooh, of social ooh, media chef. Yeah, well, no. You know, what we have to endure these days. <laughs> you know. but, um, so, do you think there is a dish that has kind of defined you, or I guess indeed you defined it? <laughs> well, it would be very nice to think that whatever one puts on a menu is delicious. I mean, that's the whole point of menu writing, and it's what 
cooks and restaurateurs and chefs are um, measured by is you know where's the wit, the charm, the seasonality. You know, is this mm -hmm. is this a, is this a wise menu? Is it good? Is it delicious? You know, do you want to eat everything on it? You know, are they devil for choice? Um, all the many many aspects of it. Um, and the cut that we write at Corvallis, we used to write it every day, and then we found really um, that you know having a mind that never stops quarrying. Um, is not the easiest thing for the cooks to follow. Um, so yeah. we slowed that process down and we change it monthly now so that we can focus on dishes and ingredients as they come in. And then as ingredients become available, we can then work on our dish that then can go <coughs> off menu, a special as we like to call it, uh, and work that way. And so there are a great many dishes we do that we are very good at seeking will come in. But there is one dish, I suppose, that has um, by sheer um, extraordinary luck um, has become something we do. And then it's a modest little sandwich, um, uh, yeah. rather luxurious, <laughs> um, of course, being called Um But it's something I started doing at the Blueprint Cafe many years ago. And it was a very different, it was a huge, big thing affair then. Um, then we've just honed it down and it, it took, and it was the first day we had, it was opening day at Corvallis. Well, my starting day. I mean, it's been open since 1926. I'm not going to try and lay myself to that great venerable But age. this Corvallis. I know, current, in, current incumbent. And we had a box at the top, because there's lots of boxes all over the menu. And originally it was going to be a truffle sandwich, because um, I had eaten such a dish at Michel Rostang when he opened at the Meridian Hotel in Piccadilly, when that had closed, when the Piccadilly Hotel had become the Meridian. And it was amazing. It was you know, the very hypothesis of elegant simplicity and divine and delicious. Um, but then we find out the price of black truffles and went, oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> um, and they were really around the height of their peak and Perigord truffles at that stage, what few there were left in the world. And if there are any black truffles left in the Perigord, it's a miracle. Most of them come from the other side of the Pyrenees or further afield. And we just said, oh, God damn it, you know, what we're going to do. And funnily enough, because it was a mad, a very short period of time we had, it was no great luxury in moving in. It was literally hit the time out running. And we bought some smoked eel from our dear friends at the um, Dutch Eel Company, and who had taken over from Mr. Beale's Eels, which was the original farm. Yeah. And it's the last eel, specific eel farm left in the country, in Lincolnshire. And this Dutch couple had bought it. So they, they'd sent something, good luck, you know. So went, why don't we just pop in an eel sandwich and just, you know, fill it in. Um, and it has never been off the menu since. Yeah, I think of that when I think of you. When I think oh, of smoked eels. When I think, but that sandwich, <laughs> I feel like it definitely is one that you just um, can't. And it's and yeah, and it's remained. Uh, and it's remarkable. It's something folk come back to inevitably gets ordered on a full of table just to go. Well, Have you had any copycats? I was um, reading about that earlier today because that does happen. You can't you can't really well, trademark a dish yeah, like that, can you? The copycat. It's a really strange thing. The copycat. I think one has got to say that. Well, it's the highest form of flattery. Yeah, but it's kind of annoying and rude, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it is quite strong. I mean, you know, so long as you get an homage to it. Yeah, you know, which no. we not, which blessedly with this one we do, you know. Let's chat about entertaining. Oh, yes. I almost feel like I know, certainly know the answer, but do you like to entertain? He's nodding for nodding. everybody listening. That's not gin, I promise. <laughs> um, we can do a Buckingham Palace style and just have nothing in it, so it looks like water, but actually, <laughs> no, but it is water. No, I love entertaining. Um, I think it is something that all 
folk who really love the restaurant business do and like to do well and at home. And cooking for two, ugh, rubbish. Um, dinner party for six, oh, my idea of hell. Um, no, I can't do formality. And so I like to get our gang round. And How big you, is a gang? Well, it starts out about nine or ten yeah. and then becomes 12 or 14. or 20. Really? 19 or 20? Yeah, well, it's amazing. The jungle drums go on and then the, the beat goes out. And, That's you know, it, and like, oh my God, would you sit on that pile of magazines <laughs> or something, pull up a book, you know, I don't know. Like on, the on the floor, Moroccan style. <laughs> and it's amazing what you want, you know, I mean, I've got this mad little galley-like kitchen at home. Um, and it's amazing what it can churn out on this little mad four burning um, electric cooker of mine. Um, it's remarkable what you can churn out, actually. You live in Hackney, you live in Hackney I right? I do live in very Hackney. Very cool, very trendy. Oh, well, thank you very much. I don't think it was when I first moved there. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but that's, it's all the more trendy for having done that. No, absolutely. That's the point. Yeah. No, the soundtrack at night's quite different. Now you just hear the, the odd fox wailing. But when <laughs> I first moved there, it was just a helicopter just going, and you'd hear the, I'm like, oh, for God's sake. So give us a break. So what do we get then when we come round for supper? Oh, God. What are you going to cook for the gang? Um, well, not, well, I'm blessed by two friends in particular who like to come incredibly early for some reason, which is and so annoying. I can't cry. <laughs> Late is one thing. Early, unforgivable. Yeah, early is one. No, really unforgivable. You know, and so it was quite, because it's always, I always find it vital to tidy up as best you can okay. before anyone comes. That's just, you know, just clear the decks as best you can. So it's all going in. So only arrive. So the very good manoeuvre for that is, particularly this time of year, is buy a sack of blood oranges and get, and get them hard and just say, would you like, can we do anything? Yes, juice these, please. And stand them in a the corner and they're really juice and they just turn the place into a massacre. So you have to clean it all down as well. That's always a good manoeuvre too. <laughs> I like that one. Um, and then get a big bucket of ice and a couple of bottles of Campari and a bottle of vodka. Oh, delicious. Sorted. Speaking my language. No, no, that buys you about an hour and a half, which is always cool. very important. And, but if, I, if I've got my act together, not very often, um, but I've inherited my mother's big um, terracotta marmites from France, which are very beautiful. And so we're layering beef and onions into that to make this amazing Classic. dish of a grillade marinière de Rhone. That's amazing. And I think overnight dishes are great for the home cook that doesn't have much at home. Yeah. Uh, in terms of space and time, it's brilliant. Um, and trying to cook everything from fresh, massive no-no. Um, yeah. That's a disaster. Um, the odd risotto. Occasionally, maybe. If I've made Stressful a for 20 people, though. Oh, a disaster. You know, I mean, you're going to have to take cooker. it in turns. Like, that's it. That's all you're thing. getting. Yeah. No, 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 that's true. <laughs> I feel like for kind of underrate risotto, it's all right. Yeah. And also, the other thing that is completely overlooked in this country, which I find remarkable, but we are, it's a cold, but we are so obsessed with the hot roast, we forget the beauty of cold meat. And if you roast a joint the night before, and let it settle and sit, and you get this amazing, gorgeous jelly that settles in the pan afterwards. And then very thinly sliced, and you make dishes like vitella tonato, or yes. derivatives like porchetta tonato, and dishes like that. And I love doing them. And, cu and cured fishes, like gravidlax and things. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a bit more interesting than a poached salmon, isn't it? It is, and it's affordable. Because a wild salmon these days is if you can get one, it's so otherworldly expensive. I mean, we, I, I actually can't remember the last time I bought a wild mm. salmon. So we buy the vast salmon from the Faroe Islands because that's as, as near okay. to wild. Top tip. And that 
current vogue of a word, sustainable, <laughs> um, of which we are very, you know, because it is shocking what it's done to the seas, yeah. and I get very bothered about fish. So over the road um, at HQ, we use a lot of herring and mackerel and sardines. I and love herring. Fish, and I adore those fishes. Yeah. And, and roll mops. I love it all. Oh, I, I think it's the Dutch mops. in me, yeah. Delicious. You know a thing or two about herrings, the silver darlings. I mean, a very beautiful thing. I, I mean, I only know how to eat them and that they're good. <laughs> I don't know much else. I know. Well, there's that very famous American court. What is it you make? Well, I don't know. Reservations? <laughs> well, no. Well, no they're not, they're the most, most very, when you can buy very good things, it's very nice. That's true. Yeah. So what about pudding? Because I know that you are well, a pudding fan. Um, slightly. Well, well, I was, well, Coyovardis puddings <laughs> are the best. <laughs> You're very kind. It is. Thank it's, you. No one else does cream and ice cream. I think it's just that and little custard. bit. Yeah, but it's just... Yeah, it's the triple dairy. It's the well, triple dairy or the double dairy, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, whipped People cream don't and do that. jersey cream and clotted cream yeah. and custard. And All the cream. cream. And that thing that you did where you did like a mince pie and then it had um, meringue. Mer meringue. <laughs> I mean, it's just extra. So are puddings that extra when you Oh, yeah, entertain? Gilda Lily. I'm a great... Well, I think for pudding... Because I think most folk are terrified of sugar now, and rightly so. But you've also got to think, well, who pulled the gun? And when you are very health conscious. And I think one of the things that's become very important when writing a menu is that there's a balance mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do, I think those days of Victorians and Edwardians when you just collapsed off your seat and waddled out the room or just rolled out are long gone and eating 11 courses is horrific. But um, if you have, if you're going to have a pudding, it's, I think food can be as rich as you want it to be, but it must be light. And I think that's the one rule. And we work very hard in ensuring mm -hmm. the puddings are light, even though it seems a slab of tart or a slice of cake. Delicious puddings. You know, but it's a, you know, it should be cloud-like or you know, a puff of goodness. Puff of goodness. Uh, a puff I'm of loving all this. Great vocabulary. <laughs> so what would you make for those 20 people? Do you do a pudding then? Or do you just uh, oh mix God something yeah. from the restaurant? I think, I think there would be a revolt. You know, I mean, it would you know, <laughs> be a terrible state of affairs if one didn't do a pudding. Um, but, I but for feeding a crowd, a trifle is brilliant. Yeah, um, a trifle or a tiramisu. And it's a great excuse to go shopping and buying, you know, what on earth would you ever do with a great big glass bowl otherwise? You do know? you have a great big glass bowl then? I've got several great big glass bowls. <laughs> <laughs> I like them very much. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a born shopper. And my parents were, you know, I'm, I'm a victim of, you know, it was terrible abuse actually. We suffered as children as we were left in the car outside. As mum and dad went into yet another antique shop to buy another antique and more antiques. And Clearly gave you the eye though. Oh, you thank well. you very much. Um, yeah, there was a, a, a lot. So they come that size and then they just grade up all the way <laughs> to the things like this. They're great I'm fun. a massive hoarder. I have to say, I don't have any great big trifle. I know nothing goes out. I, mean, I've, I tried selling something once. Couldn't. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So even the greatest cooks make mistakes. Chefs, home cooks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, for, yeah. So I want to know about one of your biggest Well, mistakes. curiously, one of, the, one of the things when um, my, the generation I grew up in, um, one of the primary motives was it wasn't how good you were, it was how good you were at getting out of the shit. When, they hit, when it really hit the fan yeah. and you were like, oh my God, you know, and nothing worked and it all went horribly wrong. And that wasn't me swearing, that was the term used back at the time, but mm-hmm. just, you know, to put in some context. And Lord, where to begin? Um, I, um, I think the funniest one I think I ever remember was when a chef had got, I didn't do it, of course. Of course. But had delegated, of course, you know, because we're all very excellent managers these days. And we had, it was a Mark Hicks dinner we were doing at the Blueprint. And he just bought, I think it was his first book. And we'd started very early on, first days of doing these book club dinner things and collaborating with chefs, um, blessedly old friends. So Mark said, oh, can I do this tart? And I went, amazing. Beautiful. I bought her fantastic. No one does quiche anymore. It would be delicious. And so these tart cases were duly lined with pastry. And um, for some reason, the chef bolted, panicked, you know. And I came to the kitchen and there's just this terrible smell and these clouds of black smoke coming oh out of the God. oven. And each and every tart case had, <laughs> had leaked. Oh my God. <laughs> and they leaked into Shit. each other. So they just swamped the whole thing. The oven was just awash with custard and it was piling out the doors at either end. And I was like, are you having fun, dear? No, yeah. <laughs> and I said, what? And said, no, this is at half... And it's going half past three in the afternoon, so they could sit and... Uh, this is at half past six. How many people are you cooking for? 120. Jeez, Louise. It was a few. It was a few. So that was a moment. So what did you do? Well, of course, we just grabbed a book and read. What else did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's amazing what cooks do under pressure. And extraordinarily, we had another eight tart cases in the oven um, in half an hour. And they baked and you wouldn't have known. But I do remember Mark coming to the kitchen going, hi. Oh, see ya. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. He was very, very, very kind and very brilliant and didn't bat an eyelid. I mean, he's amazing that way. Cool, cool as a I just think he drank a bottle of whiskey, possibly. (laughs) It was a moment. Possibly not the best thing. Yeah. So you've done done a bit of television as well. I have graced the screen on occasion. Yeah. And I I need to catch up on that show about (laughs) eating strange things. Oh, God, that was, yes, that was, yes, unusual, to say the least. So what um, was the singular. strangest thing that you've eaten? Oh, Lord. Um, well, there was a lot that didn't make the final edit. I'm going to say that one. Mm-hmm. And um, the most fun one was beetle. I loved beetle. Beetle? Beetle. So how did you eat it? Well, we were in the, really out in the wilds in Namibia. 
and the, and Namibia was where we were supposed to be confronted with this great big huge dead short elephant. Okay. And Fergus and I were just going, there is no way on heaven or earth we are being confronted in lifetime on uh, with an elephant, let alone for the television. And we're, not, we're not going to grace, you know, no, no, yeah, no. it's yeah. just wrong on every level. Um, and particularly what we get lost in the thing is there is, there is a culling of elephants in Namibia because it isn't a natural habitat. Yeah. They come in from Botswana. Uh, or, and they had, it's, and it's pretty good, but it's part of the economy. And so they, um, all the meat from the killing is divided up between the 12, village, 12, 15 villages within a radius of where the elephant is shot. And we were like, actually, I was sick. This is just gross. And then it turns out who does the shooting? And there are, believe it or not, great white hunters still. You're like, oh, it's just getting worse and worse. And it is congressmen or, you know, I mean, it's, you know, a very elevated crew of folk. And I went, it's about, it's, and I believe the term I love best, and it might be Hemingway's one, but the nobility of shooting an elephant. It's the same as shooting the side of a barn. Well, uh, how can you miss, you know? Yeah. So it was all a bit grim. And amazingly, they m muffed up because Channel 4 didn't have the budget to send us for two weeks. And when they go shoot training an elephant, it takes two weeks. They're really good. They really eke out this story. Okay. I mean, you could do it in five minutes, and all you do is get the mobile phone and track it. But I mean, let's not, that would be too <laughs> boring for words. So they went on and on. And so they missed the beginning of the safari, and they ran out of money because they were supposed to send us to South Africa to skin monkeys, um, which I said, no, no. Gosh. And, you know, it's quite shocking. And we went, wow. So we managed to miss the elephant completely, which is amazing. But along the way, to fill each day, we had it. So porcupine, that was, that turned us green. That was all day digging up porcupines to club them to death in oh front of us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, in a way, I think it's important that you kind of, you know, because there's that whole concept of people eating animals, but not being well, and also it seeing is, them being know, and killed. It, exactly so. And it is a part of that, yeah. that life and that culture, which, which one must respect. And it has no bearing whatsoever at all on a wee laddie running up a hill chasing a haggis that doesn't exist, <laughs> you know, it's very different. <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you, how you compare the two? So just asking these two silly boys to go over and com comment on this was absurd, but it was an amazing adventure, that's for yeah. sure. But that's why we like beetles so much. So how um, do you eat the beetles? Do you fry them? Well, it was gorgeous. Like these very beautiful black scallops about that size. I mean, they were like jewels and they were attached to grasses. And these amazing women um, went out because um, women were allowed to go for beetles. The men, not. Had to go for the elephants. Um, but they, cause be, and then they beat in these extraordinary wooden pestles and mortars. Um, the beetles went in with tubers, which were like a cross between a Jerusalem artichoke and a potato sort of thing. Yeah. And they just smashed the beetle into this tuber and came up with this extraordinary paste. And they went, you know, you must have something like, Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm going to, wow, this is real pastures new stuff. And it was, and you know, and you know, Julie went, you know, went, okay, in for a penny, in for a pound. And it was amazing. And was and it a speciality? Was it, is, is oh, it yeah, kind of a local? Oh, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the most extraordinary thing. If I was an athlete, that's all I would want to eat. Well, if you were you know an I mean? athlete. Suddenly we were just hearing around all over the place. Yeah, you know, okay. Tongue tingling <laughs> and our, our fingers were going. It was, it was amazing. It was absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. I've never had anything I like. I well, want more. You know, best kept secret ever, I think. Okay, what are a few quick fires then for you? Sticky toffee pudding or profiteroles? Oh, both. 
but you can't have both, I'm afraid. Oh, what? Got what? To, this what is kind a, of restaurant what, this is, is this? an A or B question. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Um, golly, I would say sticky toffee in the winter, profiteroles in the summer. Okay, you're cheating. Of course. Oysters yes, or cheese straws as kind of like oysters. aperitif oysters. Always. Oysters I knew all. you would say oysters, oysters actually. Always. You once, I was once with you and you ate, I think, two, oh, definitely a dozen oysters after... Shh. A very <laughs> impressive night where I definitely couldn't stomach one. Well, I'd be very partial to an oyster. I do love them. <laughs> Steak with chips or in a pie? Chips. Steak with chips. Okay, steak I, mean, I chips. thought you'd be a pie man. I thought no, I had that beef down. Pie, steak beef pie, chips. steak beef and chips. Beef pie, steak and chips. Okay. Definitely. Oh, steak and kidney pudding. Yeah, okay. Marvellous. Yeah, even better. Okay, even better. Okay. And what about... Like key ingredients. What three ingredients do you advise people to always have in the cupboard? Oh, lemon, salt, and olive oil. That was really quick. Lemon, salt, and olive oil. Okay. Vital. You got those two, you can do anything. Olive oil, particularly from anywhere? Italy, Spain. Greece. I think Provence. 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 <laughs> Provence. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, Provence down through Italy. Provence definitely. down through Italy. Italy. They do a good olive yeah, oil. Yeah, very, very fine oils. Okay, and then last question. If you could have any three people to your ultimate dinner party, alive, dead, fictional, who would you have and why would you have them? Oh, my goodness. Well, you, of course, my dear. Oh, well, th You're thanks. Vital. I, mean, I definitely it. want to come. You know, absolutely given. I'll squeeze blood oranges. I uh, know. Um, golly, what a question. Let's, there's quite a cast for that one. But I would say my two favourite, Fergus Henderson yeah. and Simon Hopkinson, but they're men. So you definitely have to come. Yeah. On your own, but that's only one. You can give you a few more. So can I have a few more? Yeah, you can have I a few more. People, up. lots of people can have do a few more. Really, you can do five. Can do yeah, five. Yeah, I mean, you there have you twenty go. for supper. Most people have six. Yeah. So that instantly gives you more. I know. So let's let's see. If I had one current, I'd love Rachel Roddy to come. Yeah. She's amazing. Brilliant. I think she's terrific and very very splendid. And then if I was going to put my foot in the past, Eliza Acton. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Fun. Amazing woman. Extraordinary woman, an amazing writer. And you do your classic blood um, orange campari. Absolutely. Layered potato thing. Get them very and drunk very quickly. So comment just didn't, you know, would be abated very, very quickly. Then it would just have a very be nice a great time. evening. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I'm going to finish on a quote from Elizabeth David, who I know that you're a fan. There are people who take the heart out of you and there are people who put it back in. And you, Jeremy Lee, are certainly the latter. So thank you thing. for that. And thank you to everyone for coming. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, dear audience. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you liked it, rate it, review it, talk about it, share it, and invite your friends around for supper. This has been a Studio 71 production. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.